Beloved, the moment that a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, He becomes their Master, He becomes their Lord, He becomes their boss, if you will. In reality, as believers, as Christians, we are His twice. Uh, we're His by creation and we're His by regeneration. We're, here, we're, here, we're His because He created us, He made us, and we're His because He bought us with the precious blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this brings up the whole idea of lordship. That is, He is the Lord of our lives. He's in charge of our lives. We've given our lives to Him. He's our Lord. But the reality is that is something that has to be worked out in our lives, really on an ongoing basis. In a real sense, we surrender to His Lordship over and over in different areas of our life. Um, now, you know we're doing a series called From the Hymnal. We've set aside First Peter for the summer, and we're using some of the great hymns to drive us to the Scripture and to help us to understand better the truth that they teach us. And this morning we find ourselves looking at a hymn that a lot of people have sung over the years, but probably a lot fewer have actually practiced it and been honest when they sang it. And so if you take your hymnal, I'm asking you to take your hymnal and open to 433 and take your Bible and open to Luke chapter 9. Take your hymnal and find page 433 and then in your Bible be in uh, Luke chapter 9. In just a moment. And the hymn I want to talk to you about this morning is the hymn, I Surrender All. I Surrender All. So if you'll find that and then find Luke chapter 9, you can keep the hymnal open, maybe under your Bible today. And when you get there, you'll find, if you're looking at your hymnal at the very bottom, that, that this hymn, that pretty much all of us who've been in church, we know the hymn, I Surrender All, was written by a gentleman by the name of Judson W. Vandeventer. Judson W. Vandeventer. Now, that may not be a name that's very familiar to you. In fact, you may say, I've never heard of that name. It's an unusual name just to, for sure. But uh, Vandeventer impacted a man that you are familiar with, a man by the name of Billy Graham. And in fact, I want to share what Billy Graham said about the gentleman who wrote this hymn. And I'm going to give you Billy Graham's words. He wrote, One of the evangelists who influenced my early preaching was also a hymnist who wrote, I Surrender All, the Reverend Mr. J.W. Vandeventer. He was a regular visitor at the Florida Bible Institute in the late 1930s. We students loved this kind, deeply spiritual gentleman and often gathered in his winter home at Tampa, Florida for an evening of fellowship and singing. Mr. Vandeventer was not always a minister. According to his own testimony, his first interest in passion was for art. Having finished college, he taught school for a while in order to finance his continued study of drawing and painting. Later, he became the supervisor of an art, uh, excuse me, supervisor of art in the public schools of Sharon, Pennsylvania. At that time, evangelistic meetings were being held in his church and Van de Venter became involved in counseling and personal work. And since he was obvious, since he had obvious ability in this direction, several of his friends urged him to give up teaching and become an evangelist. And for five years, he wavered between this challenge and his ambition to be a recognized artist. His love was art, and yet he was gifted in personal work and helping people as they came forward. 
And Billy Graham says that Van der Venter told the story himself, and he's quoting Van der Venter now. At last, the pivotal hour of my life came, and I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life. I became an evangelist and discovered deep down in my soul a talent hitherto unknown to me. God had hidden a song in my heart. And touching a tender chord, he caused me to sing songs I had never sung before. The hymn, I Surrender All, was written sometime later in his life when he recalled this long struggle and final yielding to God's will for his life. You see through his testimony, beloved, how someone surrenders to Jesus as Lord and Savior, and yet there are those times in life where we have yet another surrender, where we surrender to the Lordship of Christ in a certain area of our life. And and Billy Graham went on to say, I'll just share one more thing he said. He said, we begin to surrender to God when we first accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And often this truth comes to an individual in a more forceful way a little later in his Christian life and walk. I think I'm on scriptural grounds today when I say that in a sense we have to daily surrender to the Lordship of Christ in our lives. In fact, if we're honest, there are times where we have to hourly surrender to the Lordship of Christ in our lives. Now I ask you to find Luke 9. Hope you found it by now. And I want to read some verses today. And I want you to listen carefully to what the Lord says in His Word. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. Jesus speaking, then He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for My sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of Me and My words of Him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when He comes in His own glory and in His Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Now, I've got to caution you with that passage of Scripture and let you know this is not talking about how a person gets saved. We're not saved by taking up a cross and following Jesus. We're saved, we're born again, we're forgiven by believing on Jesus and His finished work on the cross and what He did for us. So I don't want anybody to misunderstand What we're looking at here today is not how to get saved. We're saved by placing our faith in Christ alone and the work that He finished upon the cross of Calvary. This passage that we're looking at today is talking about discipleship. It's talking about how we follow Jesus after He is our Lord and Savior. How we live out the Christian life. And so there's a time in your life, and I pray it's already taken place. If not, I pray it's today. I pray it's within the next 20 minutes. There's a time when you give your life to Jesus Christ. 
You realize you're a sinner. You realize you're lost. You realize you're undone. You believe that He truly is God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, voluntarily laid His life down on the cross, shed His precious blood for you, took your sin upon Himself, was buried, was resurrected, and you turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ alone. And that's the beginning point of a relationship with the Lord. How we're born again through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we are a disciple of Christ. We're a follower of Christ. And this passage is talking about how that works and what that looks like and what's entailed with that. And as you'll see as we've looked at it, it really is a daily surrender. You've got the hymnal open before you. And that very first verse says this, All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. What? Daily live. There's a real sense where the Lordship of Christ is something we submit to on a daily basis. We're to take up our cross daily and follow Him. And so I want you to notice what's involved in being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to look at it here from Luke chapter 9. First of all, there is desire. There is desire. Look at verse 23 again. If anyone desires to come after me, you desire to come after Jesus. May I just say, anyone who's a true child of God, who's truly been born again, is going to want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I also say, if you don't want to follow Christ, it may be a sign that you are not a follower. You're not a child of God. Because a true child of God is going to want to follow the Lord. And this new birth has brought about new life. Old things have passed away. Behold, old things have become new. And there's a desire to spend time with Jesus, to be with Jesus, to love Jesus, to imitate Jesus. And I know that there are a variety of reasons why people are here today. If you're real honest, some of you say, I was made to come. I was made to come. Mom and Dad didn't give me a choice. Good. Good for mom and dad. Others would say, well, I'm here because when I don't come, I feel guilty. Others are here today. Hopefully a majority say, I, I'm here today because I wanted to be here. Why? Because I love Jesus. And I wanted to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I wanted to lift my voice in corporate worship. And, and I wanted to fellowship with my brothers and sisters. And I wanted to hear the Word. And I want to grow in my relationship with Christ because I love Him. And you desire to be with His people and to grow in Him. So there's that desire to be a disciple, a desire to follow Christ, a desire to get to know Him, a desire to grow in Christ. And that is good. And a lot of us don't have a problem with that one. We're okay with that. But then we get to the next one, and the next one's not quite as fun. If you're going to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, there's not only that desire, but there's also denial. There's denial. Verse 23 says, it goes on to say, if anyone desires to be, let him deny himself. Notice it didn't say just deny something. It says deny self. What does that mean? It means to say no to yourself what it means. It means saying yes to Jesus. And this is going to look somewhat different in our lives, in each of our lives. The Lord may allow you to have some things He won't allow me to have. The Lord may allow me to have some things He won't allow you to have. 
This denial is not about making us miserable. In fact, beloved, it's about bringing true joy, abundant joy in our lives. Christ Himself said, I've come to give you life and abundant joy. But this denial is real denial. It's a denying of self. It's a surrendering of my wants, my wishes, my desires, my dreams, my goals, my ambitions, and fully obeying Jesus. That's a lot harder than the first one. It's easy to say, I want to follow Jesus. It's easy to say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, but then we begin to understand what's involved in really following Jesus. And the very first thing Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to say no to yourself. And it really ties into the next part. You have a desire and you have denial. And then there's this idea of daily cross-bearing. Daily cross-bearing or daily bearing our cross. Notice verse 23 again. It says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Mm. Now, there is a sense, beloved, where there are those who are called to literally, literally die for Jesus. There are martyrs still today. There are those who give all for Jesus Christ. I mean, literally lay down their life for Christ. But for most of us, it's probably a different type of cross. Again, it's a di- dying to my plans and my ambitions and my desires and my dreams and the like. And just as the cross was God's plan for Jesus, the cross that we're to bear is God's plan for us. Some people think, well, you know, preacher, my cross is my husband or my cross is my wife or my cross is my job or my cross is this. But really, no, beloved... Just as the plan for Jesus was a literal cross, God has a plan for us. And that's kind of the idea when it says here that we're to take up our cross. We're to live the life that God wants us to live. We don't literally and physically crucify ourselves. The Bible describes us as living sacrifices. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this, will be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so I realize if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and I have that desire, it begins with me denying myself and saying no to myself, and then it leads to daily bearing my cross. And saying, Lord, what is your plan for my life? What is your plan for this day? And surrender to his lordship. And it really flows to the next one. And that is, there is this daily following of Jesus. Notice verse 23 again. Then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me. And I think I'm talking to a lot of people like that today. You desire to follow Jesus. Well, here's what you have to do. Let let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what discipleship is all about. It's following Jesus. It's living as He lived. It's doing as He did. It's obeying and imitating Him. You're there in your hymnal again. The second verse, all to Jesus I surrender. 
Make me Savior wholly Thine. Let me feel Thy Holy Spirit. Truly know that Thou art mine. Well, beloved, one of the ways we follow Him is about allowing the Holy Spirit that we sing about in that song to really, really guide us and guide our steps as we yield to Him. You see, this whole idea of surrendering to the Lord is a real part of following Jesus. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we die to ourselves, we die to our dreams, we die to our ambitions, we die to our desires, we crucify all those things, and as a sacrifice, we crawl up on the altar as a living sacrifice, and we say, Lord, I am yours. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I give my life to you. I want to really follow you. Just like the early disciples who left all and followed. And it's following in the footsteps of Jesus. And, and people look at that and say, I'm okay with being saved. I don't want to go to hell. And I'm okay with this whole idea that I want to follow Jesus but when I begin to really understand what Jesus is asking of me, there are many who say, you know what, I'm not okay with that. Which brings the question, why? Why should we live this way? This is not what the world is telling us to do. This is not what they're teaching in the schools. This is not what's on the news. This is not what's on the talk show. This is not what's in the magazine. It's all about living your life and living your best life and doing what you want to do and being happy and fulfilled and satisfied and having money and success and everything else. And then we open the Bible and Jesus says, listen, if you want to come after me, if you want to have real life, here's what you have to do. Deny yourself, die to self, take up your cross and follow me. Why would we ever want to do that? Well, we could certainly talk about how he bought us and he owns us. I could go and talk about the passage that says that we're bought with a price and not our own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, which are Christ. He owns us. We could talk about how He loves us. And He does love us. That is true. And those things are reason enough. But I want to stick with the passage because right after Jesus gives these, can I just call them hard words? He goes on to give us some reasons why we should live this way and why this is the best. I like to call these next verses and what we're going to talk about the motivation or the encouragements to live a life of discipleship. Why would I want to deny myself and take up my cross and follow Jesus? Well, first of all, we see what we really have. What we really have in verse 24. For, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that verse takes a moment to process. And by the way, can I just tell you, this is one of those messages, I was not ready to preach this message, because I'm still processing it. But Sunday came, and I couldn't just get up here and say, well, listen, folks, I'm not done yet. You would like that, maybe. But I'm still processing this. And I read this verse, says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does that mean? It means this, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to save it. So what does that mean? Well, you can try to hang on to your life, beloved. You can try to have earthly security and stability. Try to keep yourself comfortable and safe. 
to try to have no wrinkles and, and n- none of that. Just live like the best way you can and everything you ever want. But in the end, without Jesus, you lose. You lose. You can have everything this world could ever give you. But as the one song said recently, all an empty world can give is empty dreams. It's all it can sell. And you can try to hang on to your life. And he says, you're going to lose without Jesus. But if you give your life to Jesus, you win. You save your life. And by the way, when you give your life to Jesus, you may end up losing your earthly security and your earthly stability, you think. In fact, you may even end up uncomfortable, but you have Jesus. And Jesus is all you need. We just can't seem to get that lesson. In other words, the spiritual is more important than the physical. You can have every dream, desire, wish, goal, ambition, and life filled, but friend, without Jesus, it's all worthless and it's all meaningless and you lose. So what we really have when we have Jesus. Secondly, what's really valuable. Look at verse 25. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and, as, and is himself destroyed or lost? You could spend your life amassing a fortune that would make William uh, or Bill Gates and Warren Buffett look like paupers. I mean, you could be that rich. You could have riches and wealth everything your heart desires. But what good is all of that when death comes and you don't know Jesus? You could be the richest, most famous person on the earth. But if you leave this place without Jesus, you open your eyes in hell forever. Your soul is far more valuable than anything this earth could ever offer you. So we've got to remember what's really valuable in life. What's really valuable. There's a third motivation. And that's what really matters. Look at verse 26. Now remember, these are the words of Jesus. Verse 26 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words... Of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. You say, well, preacher, what really matters? Well, here's what really matters based upon that verse. What really matters is what Jesus thinks of you. That's what really matters. Many Bible scholars that I read see that where it says that you'd be ashamed, he's ashamed here. It's more than embarrassment. It refers to rejection and judgment by Almighty God. In other words, these are the folks that rejected Jesus and His words and thus they're going to be rejected forever by Jesus in a horrible place called hell. And so what really matters is not what I want. What really matters is what He wants. What really matters is what He desires for me as a follower of His. And can I just tell you that He really does have your good in mind? One of the reasons that so many believers struggle with this is they really think, if they're really honest, and this is what I think is going on in their minds, 
They really think this way. If I really do give my life to Jesus, He's going to make me miserable. I mean, if I walk down an aisle in, in, in church and I said, Lord, I surrender all, He's going to put me on a boat to Africa that afternoon in a jungle to the cannibals with giant mosquitoes and anacondas. And He's just going to make my life miserable. And they don't realize that God is good all the time and God always has your good in mind and whatever God gives you is good. And it could be He's going to send somebody from this church to Africa. But it's amazing how many times the way He's gifted us and the way He's structured us and the way He's wired us and the way that He's walked along with us, it's amazing how many times even the things we desire are His desires. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 4, talks about delight thyself also in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Do you really trust God? Do you really believe He's good? Do you really believe He has your good in mind? Because that's really the struggle when it comes to this whole idea about surrendering all. You see, it's true, beloved, that we're saved by grace through faith alone. Grace through faith plus nothing. But true saving faith leads to a life of growth and discipleship. And if we claim to be children of God, and we know God and say, oh, I'm a child of God, and there's never any desire to follow Jesus, and there's never any denying of self, and there's never any taking up of our cross, and there's never any follower, following of Jesus, we'd, do, we'd be wise to go back. And really see, have I really given my life to Jesus Christ? See, a true child of God is going to want to sing that third verse that's there in your lap. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. Here's what I ask you this morning. Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? I'm not asking are you saved. Of course, we want you to be saved. But if that's settled in your life, you say, I'm saved. Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? in your life? Have you come and said, Lord, here I am. I surrender all. I want to ask you to bow in prayer. Don't, don't pack up your Bible. Don't pack up your stuff. I want you to have a time with the Lord. And I wonder today, while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, what has God put His finger on in your life? You know, remember I talked about how it's a daily surrender in different areas of our life. Somebody here today, you're struggling. You've been trying to figure out something. You've been trying to make it work. You've been laboring. You've been sweating. You've been crying. You've been trying everything you know to do to make something work in your life. But you've never come and said, Lord, I surrender to You. I give this to You. Might be a young person here today. 
and you're on the cusp of some very big decisions, and yet you've never come to the Lord. You, you've had, you have your plan in place. You know what you want to do, but you've never once said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I, I surrender to you, Lord. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I want. But Lord, I, I surrender to you. And I'm open to you to change the plan, just like you did with Mr. Vanderventer. I'm open to you to change the plan. Some of you are struggling in your relationships. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. Some of you are struggling in finances. Some of you are having trouble at work. Some of you are having health crises. You're having health problems. Has there been a time where you've come you say, Lord, I can't handle this. I surrender all of this to you. I really want your will. I really do trust you, Lord. I really do. And I, and I need your help. But I know that you're good. And I surrender all. Some of you have been carrying a burden maybe for years. And you've done everything you know to do. But you really haven't surrendered it to the Lord. I'm going to ask the pianist to move and softly play while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed. Play this song we've been talking about, I Surrender All. And today, you need to step out and surrender. Some of you, be honest about it, you haven't, you haven't surrendered. God knows what the issue is and you do too. So I want to give you a moment today to come and kneel and surrender. For some today, it's surrendering to salvation. You need to be saved. Today's the day. But for many, you know what the issue is. God the Holy Spirit's put His finger on it. He's applying this message to you. Will you come today? Will you surrender? Will you say, Lord, I surrender? She's going to play. I'm going to be quiet and allow you to do business with the Lord. You come as God leads you.